time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. Happy Tuesday to everyone out there. I'm recording here on Monday afternoon. Uh, For those of you who are watching on YouTube, we got a nice uh, new microphone here. You can probably hear the difference. I finally took the uh, took the plunge and invested in a really, really good microphone, the Sure mic that uh, you see on most podcasts, uh, Joe Rogan and other other uh, big professional podcasts. So I hope the sound quality is uh, is as good as, uh, as as their podcasts are. Let me see. I think I'm good to go here. Yeah. So anyway, uh, another week here, the, the first uh, week in June. Right. Uh, a, a big uh, happy anniversary to my parents uh, last week on June 3rd. Uh, they used to always spend their anniversary at the Care Youth League Circus running the pizza booth. I'm sure I've told that story before, but uh, just just uh, two very important people in my life. And uh, it's hard to believe back in uh, the mid 80s that uh, that they took the plunge to uh, to get married and ended up having uh, not just me, but my brother. So that was their uh, that was their punishment, I guess, for, for taking that plunge. But happy anniversary, mom and dad. Uh, today, June 6th is actually uh, the D-Day Remembrance Day, a day that none of us should ever forget on the calendar. Um, it's kind of why uh, I, I, well, it's not D-Day related, but I threw on my, my Top Gun hat here, got my Alamo shirt. This is, I don't know, it seemed fitting. They're not quite a D-Day, but uh, the Top Gun getting a lot of big plays right now, uh, or at least their opening weekend. A lot of uh, great reviews so far, and I'll definitely have to get out and see it. Because uh, it's rumor has it that it's, you know, pro-American, anti-woke. So uh, I I definitely like that. And uh, we'll try to get out and uh, and uh, pay, pay, pay my uh, my contribution to go see that film. But anyway, today is D-Day and uh, 1944, man, uh, we've all seen movies. We all heard the stories, but it's just something we should never, ever forget. We talk about 9-11. We talk about the horrors of that and, and you know, the, the planes crashing and the burning buildings and, and people leaping to their death. We talk about Pearl Harbor and just guys waking up, you know, shaving, shaving their face and all of a sudden they're uh, getting bombed. I mean, just stuff like that. And uh, June 6, 1944, uh, truly uh, the eyes of the world were upon not just the United States, but all the allied forces, the, the British, the Canadians, the Australians who assisted in the D-Day invasion. Uh, if you've seen Pri- Saving Private Ryan, the, the, the landing scene, the opening scene of the movie, it's, it's very graphic, uh, but I thought uh, did paint a pretty uh, accurate uh, portrayal uh, of the horrors of that invasion and the initial, uh, the initial surge. Uh, Band of Brothers uh, portrays it from the air the night before. Those guys jumping behind enemy lines um, to help uh, just kind of ease the landing uh, on, on the on the shoreline there. So uh, if you have the stomach, if you're able to stomach some of the uh, just absolute violence in some of those those uh, those movies and scenes, and and you know the longest day I think was John Wayne. I think he did. I mean, uh, it, it's not fun to see that stuff, but 
it's just crazy to think about that this is this is a portrayal of something that really really happened and i've said it before but uh, you know the greatest honor of my life was actually visiting normandy and and standing there on on that beach and seeing the uh the uh you know the the crater seeing the machine gun nests and 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 just looking out at the 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 coast and imagining all of the ships all of the planes all of the equipment all of the tanks and just you just overwhelmed with emotion. And I was able to assist uh, me and three other guys from uh, Rio Hondo Prep on our trip there. We're able to assist in the lowering of the two American flags there uh, at sundown, one from each class. Uh, just the, the biggest honor of my life and, and uh, the biggest thrill and still the most inspirational place I've ever visited is uh, Normandy. And I don't think it will ever be to- ever be topped. So, uh, you know, had the allies not landed there in, uh, in Normandy, and uh, went in to liberate Europe. Who knows what would have happened? Maybe Great Britain would have fallen eventually. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe Japan tried a land attack on us. Uh, the history books are written uh, how they are because of the D-Day invasion and all of the sacrifices. And, and you got to really, what kills me is that, you know, these, these young men, these 18, 19, 20-year-olds, you know, they, they got off the boats there and in the ocean. They got on these little landing crafts and they had to know that most of them were not going to make it. And, and I think uh, prayers probably went up just hoping that they could even reach the shoreline, if, that they could get to that sand. And for so many of them, as soon as the doors opened, they were just under machine gun fire. And those, those first few boats, um, I, I hope they never saw it coming. They never felt anything. It was just uh, over uh, before the door even opened all the way. And, and it just, it, it breaks your heart to think about. To, to think about guys so young. And they knew they were doing what they had to do. I walked by my grandfather's uh, photo every day. And uh, he didn't fight in Europe. He was in Africa. But I have his American uh, flag that he had the full um, the full honors when he passed away. He didn't die in World War II. He died uh, when I was a freshman in high school. And he got the full military uh, tribute. And so that is my most prized possession. And, and I look at my grandfather there, and I don't know how old he was in the, uh, in the photo, but I, I just think of thousands of people like him who – uh, fought in World War II, the greatest generation, uh, hands down. And uh, for all of those young men at Normandy to get on those landing crafts, to uh, pray probably as hard as they possibly could, uh, just begging for a chance to live, uh, but also knowing, never hesitating, knowing that this is something they had to do to rid the world uh, of tyranny and to fight evil. And if it wasn't them, then who else? And so uh, that's what I think about every year when this date rolls around. Uh, the young man that got on that boat were throwing up, praying to their God, just scared to death. But we're not going to not get on that, that boat, not get on those landing crafts. And to the, to the men who survived, um, just what a remarkable story um, to see some of them talk about this later in life is just uh, heart heart wrenching and to be at normandy uh myself back in 2001 
uh, and see the graves and see the the crosses and the stars star of david's in perfect straight lines uh to be there at that cemetery and to stand on that hollowed ground is something i will never forget and every june 6th i uh i do get a little emotionable emotionable emotional emotional um just thinking about uh that day and i i honestly i'll, I'll sit here and say it I, I couldn't have done what those guys did i, I don't care i I couldn't have done it. Um, I don't want to say I would have been a coward or, or whatever, but we all have this courage inside of us that occasionally will come out some of us more than others. And I'm somebody that has tried to speak more freely the past few years. I've tried to do my part in, in ways that I think uh, contribute to a, a better society, just speaking my mind more. And my challenge to everybody uh, is that Think of those guys who stormed the beaches in, Nor in Normandy. Think of those guys that got on those landing crafts and, and just kept charging uh, on a sandy beach towards machine gun fire um, to, to liberate people they've never met um, in, in Europe and rid the world of, of, of the Nazi threat. Um, think of the courage of those guys. And my challenge to everybody here on, on D-Day, actually, you know, uh, D-Day plus one, as you guys will hear this on June 7th, is... I encourage each, each and every one of us, dig deep, find just 1%, just 1% of the courage that these men had on D-Day. Think of all the, the, the obstacles they had to go through. I'm not asking to be even half as courageous, a quarter courageous. I am asking for 1%. Bring it out. Dig deep. I know it's there. Uh, I, I'm scared scared of heights. I'm scared, not really of the dark anymore, but I used to. Uh, there's plenty of other things. I, I, talking to a, a random girl, that was terrifying to me. Thank goodness I don't have to do that anymore. I, I still say hello and I'm, I'm courteous and, you know, whatever. But um, there's things we fear doing. I was scared to start this podcast. And I said, you know what? Well, let's just go for it. Let's go all in and you're going to make mistakes, but just go for it. Who cares what people think? So I'm asking my challenge to you guys is dig deep that D-Day generation, those young men who stormed those beaches, who, who, who were in those landing crafts in 1944. We will never be able to uh, appreciate what they did enough, but we will never be able to add up to those guys. But what we can do to honor their courage is to commit to having just 1% uh, more courage in our lives have one percent of the courage that they had we can all do that we can all take a leap and do something that we didn't think we could do that we were scared to do uh that we've been putting off we can all show one percent more courage in our daily life to honor those men who got on those boats for us who charged those machine guns for us and I can't imagine had you had just think of the, the, the for the guys that survived all the different times they, they cheated death. They the, the doors open, you're taking fire. You somehow get out of the landing craft unharmed. Then you're in you're in the ocean and the water is, is, is you know, uh, well above your head. You can't stand. You're just trying to swim through gunfire that's coming through the water. Uh, maybe you got guys laying on you, body parts all over the place just absolute carnage around you, chaos, and you're, you've nowhere to go. You can't go backwards. All you can do is go forward. And somehow, through all that mayhem, you get 
to the sand underneath the water where it starts a small incline. You get out of the water. You get to the dry sand. You're soaked. So every time you step or fall down into the sand, you get it all over you. You probably are carrying more equipment than you can carry. Uh, and you're still taking fire. Things are getting blown up around you. You just keep going. Maybe you do get hit and you keep going. Maybe your best friend next to you, he gets disintegrated or shredded right before your eyes and you don't have time to grieve. You got to keep going. You get to a higher ground. You go over the hill. You get into that machine gun nest. You take out the enemy. I'm not asking any of us to do that. None of us have to. Thank God we don't because of the individuals from uh, June 6, 1944. And if all the things I just mentioned, none of us have anything near, nearly close to that as an obstacle, as something to be afraid of, as something that should hold us back. Oh, I'm too scared to do this. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll never be able to do that. That's something I said throughout my entire life. I found that all the things I thought I could never do, I would never do, I've actually done. And it's probably because of my fear and being hesitant that has kept me from doing it earlier. Of all the sports I thought I could officiate at the highest level, uh, the last one was baseball. I said, I'll never be able to go behind a plate when 95 miles an hour. I said, I'll never be able to do that. And I did it. I didn't umpire in the big leagues, but I'd umpired plenty of uh, big league players, you know, but mostly minor league stuff. Um, doing a podcast. It was always my dream to have like a, a sports radio show that I could talk politics and my opinions. Uh, I could have probably done this a long time ago. I was too afraid to pursue certain things after college because I was afraid to fail. And so the past couple of years, I've learned to be a little bit more courageous. I'm still, I, I'm still, you know, I try to, you know, at one time I was a tough guy, you know, I thought I was in high school, but I, but I have a, a definitely a wuss side that I need to conquer. I think all of us do. I'm not very good with him, with my hands. I'm not very good uh, construction wise. I'm not quite a manly man in that area. I'm trying to be better at it. And so all I'm asking on this, uh, this D-Day again, every year it comes around and, and to have another year of freedom uh, is, is a big thankful to all the soldiers who've gone before, before us, but especially D-Day, one of the most gruesome, battles and the, one of the biggest uh you know they call it an invasion but it was a liberation and to put all that together is just something just so extraordinary we can never forget it because it was those young men off the boats into the water on the sand just crawling for every inch for us so things we're scared of things we're worried about that's my challenge today not just to you guys, but to myself. I'm going to be 1% braver. I'm going to show 1% of the courage that those guys did. It might, it might be speaking out about an issue. It might be going the extra mile at work. Whatever it is in your life, you're afraid to lose friends. You're afraid to lose family. Do what is necessary. Do what is right in your heart and be courageous. I'm not asking you to storm the beaches. All I'm asking for is to honor those guys by being 1% of the courage that they had, having 1% of the courage and bravery of those guys. Okay. Happy D-Day, everybody. Without men and women who have served the United States military and paid the ultimate sacrifice, we just have Memorial Day. 
um, it's very fitting that this time of year, uh, Memorial Day, the D-Day anniversary, and then uh, July 4th, kind of all following uh, in each other's footsteps there. Uh, it's a very patriotic time of year. And I know we've all been very disappointed the past year or so with a lot of different things. And maybe uh, our, our allegiance and, and belief in America maybe wavering a little bit. But I think it's holidays and, and dates like this that really put things in perspective and can kind of fuel us up a little bit. OK, so that's my challenge to you guys. Uh, I have recorded a special Fourth of July podcast already. I think it'll be out July. Let's see. The fourth is a Monday, so it'll be out on July 1st this year. I've already recorded it and uh, I will tell you this. You guys are going to love it. It's a great way to kick off the fourth of July weekend, Independence Day, as it should be known. Uh, not just 4th of July, uh, but Independence Day when our forefathers in 1776 uh, declared independence from the British and then fought a war for like eight more years after that. So uh, we'll get to Independence Day here soon, but I promise you guys, I was so fired up with Memorial Day and D-Day coming and then Independence Day around the corner that I just said, you know what, it's time to record our Independence Day episode. And I had just the right person to talk to that uh, agreed to come on and and I talked with them for you know over an hour and that's all I'm going to say I'm going to tease it for now for you guys you guys can probably some of you might be able to guess who it is but for those uh those wondering I'm going to keep it uh, suspenseful it's uh, just build this thing up for our uh 4th of July episode on July 1st uh coming up here in a few short weeks uh guys I recently did something else, recorded the first episode of the Charge to Keep podcast, the podcast uh, dedicated to Real Hondo Prep football. I recorded it on Saturday, the day after the Real Hondo Prep graduation as almost a turning of the page, saying goodbye to those seniors from this year and officially kicking off the 2022 football season. Uh, I know there's not much going on as far as fan interaction right now in the summer months, but I wanted to get an episode out uh, for, for June, just as for coach Carson, coach Mark Carson sat down with me to talk about the summer preparation, the summer schedule for the, uh, the, the opener this uh, August, actually August 26 against El Monte. Uh, anyway, you can find all real Hondo prep football content at the new podcast called a charge to keep uh, AKA the charge to keep podcast, whatever you want to call it. Uh, please go on. Uh, however you listen to this podcast, you should be able to find it uh, at the various platforms. It is available at Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, what's the other one? Amazon. And also on YouTube, be sure to follow, like, subscribe, all those things. And you will get a charge to keep uh, content. The first episode went great. Absolutely loved it. And I encourage you guys to go check out that podcast. It is available on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And it also has its own social media platforms, a charge to keep uh, on uh, Facebook. I think charge to keep uh, pod charge to keep on Instagram. So you, you should be able to find it. If you need my help, reach out to me. I will let you know uh, where you can find it, but I'm excited about it. Make sure you subscribe. So you get the notifications when you will have new episodes. Uh, I'm planning to have an episode out in July as kind of a midsummer update of the football program. And then once we hit August, probably that second week of August, uh, we are going to go every single week, weekly, probably on Fridays until uh, the season starts. And then we'll probably go on uh, Sundays or, or Tuesdays or something. So anyway, that's the plan for the charge to keep podcast uh, for those real Hondo prep football uh, fans. You should be able to find all real Hondo content 
uh, right there. We're going to interview coaches, administrators, players, uh, maybe some outside uh, coaches and, and, and players and things. That's the plan. And uh, can't wait to do that. So be sure to subscribe to the Charge to Keep podcast. That is off and running. The uh, episode one is out and there will be a, uh, another episode in July and then we will go weekly starting in August. So very, very excited about that. Okay, now I've told you guys this before, but uh, I said that a lot too, just because I feel like I have said a lot of things before and I'm trying to not repeat myself on most of these shows, but I end up doing that. So anyway, uh, I've talked about my absolute peace. My peace on earth is uh, having not one, not two, but three games on in the living room. Uh, I usually turn the sound down. I usually have uh, Google Music uh, going uh, there in the background so that anyone walking through is it's kind of, I don't know, we're in a cheery mood, almost like a restaurant atmosphere. And then I usually have uh, my earpiece in and I'm listening to uh, a, a podcast uh, or, or some type of show throughout the day. That is that is my like little heaven on earth. Now that I'm an adult and have my own place, like this is very, very cool for me. So I do the same thing over and over, um, but I'm happy with it. You know, when I get the free time, when I get the opportunity to do that, uh, I'm definitely uh, taking advantage of it. So uh, this past weekend, guys, Friday through Sunday, and today is Monday, there's even more college baseball on. I have watched so much college baseball. Like I said, three games going at once, big TV, little TV, and my laptop here. Uh, just uh, watching every pitch, as many pitches as I could could watch, and watching my buddy's work has been a lot of fun uh, all over the country. And uh, man, I got to tell you, it, it was. There's been some great, great games, and and I will say this: I don't understand why the college baseball postseason does not get more interest. To me, it's one of the uh, the biggest sporting events of the year. It's basically, you got to look at it like this for, and now it's on ESPN plus it's, it's televised a lot more now, which, which, uh, you know, is, is probably a reason why people didn't watch it that much in the past, but you look at it this way. It's like I said, 16, 14 regionals. Okay. Um, basically, uh, in those 14 regionals, it's either a six or seven game regional. So you basically get, uh, a, a, a seven game series that you would see in major league baseball, which happens over the course of probably nine days, maybe 10 days with the days off for travel. But in college, this college baseball postseason, you get seven, at least six games. If it go, if it's pushed the extra game, it'll go seven. Uh, you get seven games in four days and it's double elimination. So when, when three teams have lost twice, it's over. And there's usually one team left standing. Or there usually there is one team left standing. And so you get a seven game series. You get that feel in four days and to see all the games going on one after another uh, on the ESPN family and networks and everything. It's just super exciting. And to go from 64 down to 16 teams in four days is pretty awesome. And uh, usually what happens on that Sunday is there's uh, the regional final, right? The final two teams, one team is two and oh. Uh, you win your first two, you get into the final. Uh, one team is two and one because they had to play an extra game. And uh, they, because they have one loss, they have to beat the two and O team twice. So what happens is sun, Sunday night, first of all, Sunday afternoon, you have the one and one game. The two teams who are one and one play each other. 
Whoever loses is out. The winner of that then has to play the undefeated team for the regional championship and hopes to force an extra game on Monday. That has happened uh, last night on Sunday. We have nine, nine out of the 16 regionals have the extra, if necessary, winner take all game seven today here on Monday. I'm watching UCLA and Auburn right now. They actually got rained out in their two and overs, two and one game or delayed in the sixth inning. So they're finishing that, that up right now. UCLA is trying to rally here. It's nine, four. They are, uh, they have one loss, so they have to beat Auburn twice. It's not looking good for the Bruins, but that's just an example. So there's not, this is a record for the NCAA. Usually the the host side or whoever wins the the regional wins the first three games and there, there is no Monday. Um, But since they went to this format in 99, I believe this is the most game sevens there have been uh, on Monday, the, the last day uh, ever. And so I don't know why this day, I think Clay Travis talked about it on his show today, but like, I don't know why this day is not a bigger day as far as the big sports landscape goes. Um, even if you're not that into baseball, it's super exciting home runs, uh, all kinds of great plays. I saw like a dude on North Carolina robbed a game tying home run in the ninth. There's been some unbelievable moments and the atmospheres are incredible that they, they really like to yell at umpires and uh, <laughs> that, that they think everything's a strike for when they're pitching and, and not when they're hitting. Uh, but it's just been so intense. And, and I can't think of, well, I think March madness uh, is, is what we all think of when we think of this, like, Oh, it's one and done. Right. And, and maybe the double elimination confuses some people or something. Uh, but it's super exciting if you just give it a shot. And I've been texting some friends who, who really do uh, like the college baseball postseason, like I do. And uh, it's been a blast to, to do that. And, and so I was able to get off work early today to hustle home, to be able to watch uh, all nine games. Although I'm recording right now, I do have the game one TV turned around here so I can keep an eye on it. Uh, one of my buddy's games went to a rain delay. So I had a little time. So that's why I'm doing the podcast now. But anyway, um, I think there's four Pac-12 teams remaining uh, as of right now. Oh, UCLA, didn't they? Uh, they they're going to head to the ninth, down five. Uh, but Stanford, Oregon State, UCLA, and Arizona, uh, each of them still alive as of Monday, uh, although UCLA and Arizona needed two wins today. So we'll see what happens. When you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, you will know more. But next weekend is the Super Regionals. It's eight, just to eight two team uh matchups it's a two out of three series and whoever wins those uh comes out of those those are the eight teams that go to the college world series so uh an unbelievable weekend uh, of college baseball and we need a term there's a new term we need i talked about the two and oh matchup versus the two and one matchup um it's called the tournament final right you can't really call it a semifinal because if the two and O team wins, they win the regional, if the two and one team wins. They win. they force the, the extra game for the winner take all regional. So it'll be a two and a two and one versus a three and one. But I don't know. I have, I have a tough time saying regional final when it's not the final game. I mean, maybe it's the final and then the extra game should be the final final. I, I don't know. I was trying to think of a term. It's like when a team uh, in game six of a series, uh, they're down three games to two and they need to win two, right? It's like that for uh, for these baseball uh, finals in the regionals and such. But uh, it was just something I was thinking about. I was like, you know what? Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's see. Boxing, I'm not going to get into that. It was kind of a boring fight this weekend and, and a lot of hype built around the Devin Haney um, and Gamboso's fight. It really didn't uh, deliver any drama. Devin Haney, uh, at 23 years old, became the youngest 
uh, undisputed champion uh, in, in boxing. So I thought that was pretty cool to see, but uh, the fight wasn't, wasn't all that exciting. He just kind of jabbed uh, Gambosis to death. And hopefully you guys got to see that. As I mentioned last week, it was a free fight ESPN uh, late Saturday night. And uh, you didn't have the NBA finals going on. I, I guess there's a split in that already. And uh, I'm not that interested in it. I tried to tune in a little bit. Just so it was like, you know what? I'd much rather watch uh, college baseball, but again, I'm, I know I'm the, I know I'm the, uh, the lunatic anyway, let's see here. Um, okay. I've mentioned this in a few podcasts and hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, the podcast with Bill Barnes last Friday. Uh, I talked about this with him among, um, you know, among a few other things. Uh, I know he's a fan favorite and we're going to try to get Bill back on. I don't know. Once every couple months, we'll say that's the plan anyway. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys, you know, if you ever, if you ever dated somebody and you're describing them, but you're just, everything you say about them is something negative. It's, it's like, yeah, she does this or he does that or whatever. And it can't be, my my point is I see this with like people talking bad about America. If, if, if you bring up only bad things about somebody, um, you probably don't like them that much, or maybe there isn't that many good things to say about them. But I feel like the people that are critical of America, they like only dwell on the negativity. They never talk about uh, the great qualities that she has. Uh, they talk about slavery or, you know, the, uh, the civil rights movement. They talk about all these, these really bad moments in our history, but they never mentioned that we've like gotten through those things. And we've, we, we've had other issues. I'm sure, you know, gun violence is a major thing now. And uh, you know, equal right equity, not equal rights, equity rights. Now that's a huge thing. Um, but I just find it odd that people don't dwell on the good things. All they want to focus on is the negative. And if you're dating someone and all you focus on the negative, maybe you don't like the person you're dating very much. At least that's been my attitude. I've been there. Trust me. I've been like, someone asked me about, uh, not my, not my current lovely uh, girlfriend, but people, people ask me about uh, my prior dating history and I'll be like, yeah, she's that. She's just, you know, and I've I found myself complaining and, and so many of my friends were like, well, why, what are you doing? Why are you with her? I'm like, that's a really good question. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but I'm always trying to, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a visual guy. I, I like analogies because they kind of uh, put my head in the right place. So if you're going to bash America's history uh, all the time and, and not talk about, it's fine. It's fine to point out the flaws. I, th- I think that's important to the people who you love, right? The people you love now, the people you date now, they have flaws. I'm sure. I know I do. I get, I get those pointed out a, a time or two, but it's not the big, it's not the overall uh, analysis of me. Okay. We can, we can point out some of the mistakes America has made. uh, But I think we also need to point out that we've gotten through those things. And there's so many more good things America has done uh, for, for so many people, for the people that used to not have any rights in this country. Now they do have rights. There's people that uh, migrate here from all over the world. Why? Because it's the greatest uh, country of opportunity, at least for now, uh, in the world. And ah, I don't know if, if, if this country is so awful, why are so many people trying to come here? It's a valid question, right? So if you're always talking about your significant other uh, in a negative light, maybe you don't like them that much. Uh, and similar uh, on the flip side, like America, if you're only bashing America I, and then you're going to turn around and tell me, oh, no, but I love this country. I don't know. I don't really believe you if, uh, if all you ever talk about is, are the negative traits. So anyway, I tried it one more time without a guest. We'll see if uh, if that works for you guys. Uh, let me see. You know fray, what phrase I hate? This is driving me crazy. This could be, 
in baseball. This could be uh, dating, but we've seen it in COVID, uh, in, in government uh, restrictions. We've seen this a lot. This is the biggest excuse uh, phrase I've ever heard. Unintended consequences. These were unintended consequences. Well, unless you were insane, uh, a lot of the policies and restrictions that uh, happen as a result of COVID or that were implemented for COVID, you know, combating COVID, right? Saving everyone. Unless you were just a moron, these should not be unintended consequences. You should, if you can foresee, like keeping kids out of school, maybe for, for a year and a half or two years, whatever it was, and, and you couldn't see, well, there might be consequences for this. Like these were unintended or unforeseen consequences. It's like, were you just oblivious on the planet? Like uh, defund the police. Oh, okay. Uh, Unintended consequences of that was that uh, there was more crime on the streets with less police there. You don't say, are we that stupid? Are we that ignorant? Are we that oblivious now where certain policies that are made we don't see like the consequences that are probably going to happen. And then the people that we're saying, Hey, th- these are prob these are potential consequences of these policies. You were shot down as uh, well, you're a, you're a misinformationist. You're an insurrectionist. You're a, you were being shot down. You're a COVID denier. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that kids out of school at home, uh, they're probably not going to be able to socialize. Well, they're probably going to be depressed. They're probably going to, th- wouldn't you know it? A lot of that stuff came true. Kids missing school for two years was way more harmful than a virus was that wasn't going to harm kids. Oh, but Matt, there was a kid in Wyoming. No, no, okay, stop. If if you didn't see unintended consequences coming, I'm not just talking COVID, but with anything, it means that your eyes weren't open. I remember when Insta re, uh, baseball went to Insta Replay. And uh, I was in the lower levels or maybe even out of, yeah, there was out of minor league baseball at the time, but a lot of guys who were in triple a and, and uh, they, they, for, they foresaw like, Hey, if you go to instant replay, here's the potential problems that you're going to have. Oh, well, we won't worry about uh, It's like, really, are you sure you want to do this? And then sure enough, years later, uh, there were consequences that came up as a result of replay. Where do you put this runner? If you do that, where do you, you know, when is the ball dead? When is it not? And it's just like, that's an example, but especially with COVID, locking down children in their homes for two years. We had unintended consequences. No, no kidding. <laughs> we get, we get, they try to sell us on these insane ideas. And then when they don't work, like everyone wear a mask, everyone get vaccinated, everything will work out. And then when they don't work, the unintended consequences were, uh, you know, people fought on airplanes and stuff. You don't say. It, it's hilarious. You get policies pushed to the forefront. This will help. We promise. Take away guns from everyone. That'll solve gun violence. Oh, it was an unintended consequence that when we took guns away from people, we saw a lot more murders because no one could defend themselves. I, I heard an interesting, uh, I should start writing these down. I really should regarding gun violence. There's been all kinds of stats regarding it recently and all the, the, uh, the countless people who've been killed in places like uh, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, Philadelphia, but uh, their lives don't matter. Apparently it has to be, uh, you know, a mass shooting or something. Uh, If it's gang related, uh, that doesn't matter. We don't care about those things. Um, I was going to say, Oh, apparently um, one of the biggest, not the, not the cause, 
as far as far as gun violence, a, a huge percentage of gun violence deaths, which they put, uh, it's kind of like COVID deaths. They put, um, you know, if some uh, guy dies in a motorcycle a- accident, but uh, they, he tested for COVID, he was a COVID death, that type of thing. Um, a lot of uh, gun violence deaths uh, get get uh, just th- thrown into that category. A ton of them are suicides. I think it's like 50%. 50% of gun violence deaths uh, are from suicide, which is, you know, obviously one on uh, one on uh, one on none crime there, but uh, hopefully not after they, you know, kill somebody else, but uh, not to, not that it makes everything. Okay, match you're heartless. No, it's not. That it doesn't make that. Hear me out. All I'm saying is um, next. Okay. Next show. I will have those numbers for you because uh, I don't want to be the guy that just uh, spews uh, opinions into the microphone, like they're facts or, or whatever the saying is. So um that, but a uh, police shooting, I think a police shooting, if a guy, if a police officer kills a bad guy, like kills the bad guy in, uh, in Uvalde, uh, whoever, whoever killed him, I think it was the police cause they were a little slow going in there. But, uh, if, if that guy gets killed in a gun violence, that's considered uh, a gun violence death as well. So the numbers, uh, you know, people throw around numbers and things and then don't have like the actual data to back them up. Kind of like what I'm doing right now, which I shouldn't be, I should be doing a much better job of that. But next week, maybe I will have, uh, some more details, but I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and, and discussion about this stuff. And, and it's hilarious to me when certain me- media and news organizations, they're like terrified that us Americans, we don't turn on CNN or MSNBC or, or uh, what's the N- uh, CNBC, CSNBC, whatever it is. Uh, CNN, MSNBC. And there's one more. Anyway, I guess it doesn't matter because they're not that relevant. Anyway, uh, take add them all up. NBC, ABC, you know, just basically all of them. Uh, Fox News. Oh, they're extreme right wing. There's like one channel that like slants a little right or maybe just common sense. And that's the extreme. That is a threat to our democracy. Coming up soon on the podcast, I am going to have a glossary of uh, fancy liberal terms that get thrown around all the time. Uh, existential you know, like existential threat, the uh, global warming. How about existential gas prices? Uh, systemic, see that word a lot. Equity. We're gonna have a woke like uh, cheat sheet. I'm gonna I'm gonna put some time into this and write it down uh, because I told you the left is really really good at language and controlling uh, controlling the 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 speech and just the terminology and. Uh, that's a big reason why they are so powerful because they're very good at uh, language and terminology. And uh, yeah, it's, Hey, it's, it's probably their very best uh, weapon in my opinion. Anyway, so I will come up, I'm going to come up with a glossary. And if you have some words that you hear all the time, send them to me. Uh, let's get some fan interaction here. Uh, and let's see here. All right. What did I say? Unintended consequences. That's, that's probably the most, the most, the, the big one right now. It's like, really? Can you imagine in a conversation with your wife, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. I'm not married, but you know, something goes wrong and you, you, you try to explain to uh, your lovely wife, like um, this was an unintended consequence uh, of my action. It's like, I could have told you that that's probably the response you would get. So don't unintended consequence. That's a, that's a wussy way of it giving an excuse. We, we don't need it. We don't need those types of, uh, of weak excuses. Okay. I talked about describing someone you love and this and that. Uh, you know what I thought of the other day, there's a lot of hungry people on the streets, right? A lot of people that, you know, are doing drugs and are homeless and you know, whatever. Uh, it's a, it's an issue that needs to get fixed here in uh, California specifically. But I was, I looked at some homeless people and then I drove by uh, a, a little Caesars and the, 
big, the best thing little Caesars does, although I try to lay off the pizza and if I'm going to have pizza, I try to get uh, no offense to little Caesars and pizza hut Domino's Papa John's, but I try to get, you know, real authentic, authentic, maybe a Michelangelo's a Mike's pizza, Petrillo's something like that. If you, if I'm going to get wet, I'm going to go, I'm going to go swimming. You know what I mean? So little Caesars, they got the $5 hot and ready's maybe it's $6 now, because you know, this Biden economy, I, I tell you, it's ruining everything. It's made $5 hot and ready $6. I mean, where does it end people anyway? Um, so I thought to myself, and uh, I may have gone in and purchased a hot and ready pizza the other day. And uh, I was like, you know what? I don't need this entire pizza. I just wanted a, a, a bite to eat or something. Uh, I want to do like a hot and ready challenge. I'm not saying we should be feeding the homeless with all of our hard earned, hard earned dollars, but maybe if you see someone, Hey, what's, what's five, maybe it, maybe you share the pizza. Like I said, buy $6 hot and ready pizza. Maybe you have two, three, maybe four slices, however many slices you usually have. Um, I will not lie. I have crushed an entire hot and ready pizza before. I'm not proud of it. Um, and, and the first step to uh, improve it to towards uh, recovery is to admitting that you have a problem. So yes, there have been moments where I crushed an entire hot and ready pizza. It wasn't, maybe there was a couple of times. So anyway, we don't need an entire hot and ready pizza. But what I'm saying is if, you, if your heart's feeling good, you see a little Caesar, maybe you see, maybe the, the planet's aligned and you see, you see both, uh, both, uh, both parties there and uh, you're hungry yourself a little bit. I'm not saying just give away five, $6 of your hard earned money. Uh, but if, Hey, you're hungry. Hey, I could, I could go for a slice or two, uh, grab a slice of pizza, eat a few, and then maybe pass it along to someone there on, uh, on a street corner. I mean, it's not, uh, ideal. You know, I think some people would say, well, you, if you give people food or money on the street, you know, they're going to use it for bad things. Hey, it's just an idea I had. I'm not saying, Let's go on a shopping spree and and buy people Thanksgiving dinners every every two days or something. I'm saying, if the planet's aligned, you're hungry, you don't want to sit in a drive through, yeah, but you don't have much time. Oh, hey, there's a little Caesars. I don't eat a whole pizza. Oh, wait, hey, there's a homeless person. Hey, I'm just saying, Matt Hersma's got a heart somewhere in here. It's buried. I know it's very dark. It's probably not beating as as well as it should, but it's in there. So it's just a thought. Hot and ready. And, and I know some of you, some of my buddies, I, I know who you are. I won't say any names, uh, Fred Monteblanco. I could see Fred getting a hot and ready, eating the whole thing. And yes, Fred, don't tell me you haven't eaten a whole hot and ready uh, before, maybe even as recent as last week. Uh, and I could see someone like Fred or my brother, Sam, for that matter, uh, saying, hey, here you go. And giving some homeless dude an empty pizza box because they are heartless, truly heartless. It's kind of funny, but that is heartless. I'll still never forget. Uh, we were walking in. I think it was Holly. We were out doing something or other. And, uh, you know, Obama was re-election or first. Ele- oh, he just won his election. And some homeless guy in the street. Was, hey, 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 man. Hey, honey, loose change. Hey, hey, you got anything? And and I had enough. And I just, Fred was with me. And I just said, hey, Obama's got your change. Leave me alone. Because that was his big like thing was, oh, hope and change. And I'm glad that uh, anyway, worked out for everybody. So I'm just, I'm all over the place. Uh, I, you know what I did recently? I started doing Uber deliveries instead of driving people more. And, uh, uh, I tried the whole Uber eats thing, which I've done before, but I was like, all right, towards the end of the night, I just want to stay close to home. Uh, I did Uber groceries. So I went to Walmart and you know what? I didn't think Walmart could get worse. That experience of going in there when you're a kid at school, cause they have everything and there's a McDonald's there. Oh, this is great. But as an adult, not a fun place to go. Uh, and I got sucked into this. Uh, I said, what is this Uber delivery Walmart? So I pull into the parking spot 
the dude brings me out groceries, two different sets of groceries. Cause I got a second call while I was there. Um, they don't bag up the stuff. Well, some of it they do. And so then you go to these, I went to two apartments and good grief. One guy was terrified to come downstairs uh, to get the groceries from, from my car. Cause he said his girlfriend was sick and, and, and probably COVID related. And it wouldn't be good to go face to face with someone. I'm like, bro, just groceries. I'm not even getting out of the car. Just like, come get your groceries. I thought that was super lazy. And then the second apartment I went to, I go to this apartment. I go, I, I go up thinking, okay, it's probably an old older person or, or some lady that has four kids and doesn't have time to go grocery shopping. So I'm trying to do the right thing. And let me contribute to society and, and be a good delivery man. And I go and knock on the door and it's just this big dude, you know, just there playing video games. And then I thought he'd come down the stairs and help me. Cause it was like four or five trips I made. Nope. Didn't come down one time. And I get, I get it. I mean, I guess you're paying for it. So you're paying $6 for someone to deliver your groceries. I'm not walking downstairs to come get them. I got, I, I have a, uh, you know, Mario, what, what are what are the games these days? What do they play on, on, is it, are, they, are PlayStation still a thing? PlayStation 7? What, what are we on now? I don't even remember. I was a classic Nintendo guy. AB and uh, Mario Brothers and uh, uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. Greatest games ever. Um, but anyway, I grew up, uh, after, you know, I moved on from, from uh, what are they called? Video games. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Pokemon, is that a thing? I don't even know. So this, this guy, mid-30s, my age. Uh, you know, uh, he made me look like a, an Olympian. We'll say that. And, uh, just, is that, is that everything? I'm like, no, I have three more trips to bring up your stuff. Your, 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 the four 12 packs of soda, uh, your, your, uh, anyway, I won't get into what else he had, but, uh, I thought that was really, really funny. I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah. Anyway, frustration. Okay. Check that. What do you guys think of this? So in baseball, you see a ton of this right? In other sports, eh, a little bit here and there, the concept of gamesmanship versus cheating, right? If you're not cheating, you're not trying uh, is uh, one of the phrases, but one like fancy way, I talked about language earlier, one fancy way to talk about or to to partake in uh, maybe bending the rules a little bit is gamesmanship. And uh, let me get the definition for you here, but you'll hear that. And it's like, Oh, that's just a fancy way of saying you're cheating. I was, I was full of uh, gamesmanship when I played. We'll say that. Uh, gamesmanship is the art of winning games by using various ploys and tactics to gain a psychological advantage. Uh, I could say that exists a lot in baseball, whether it be stealing the signs, right? If you're the third base coach and you could kind of peek in and see uh, what signs the catcher's giving or you're running around second base, same thing. And you kind of you know, if, if you grab your shirt, it's a fastball, or if you say hit it, it's a, a curve or whatever, like from a third base coach, this, these things go on, uh, especially in college baseball, not so much in professional baseball. When it does, it, they're a lot more subtle about le- not letting the other team know that they are, in fact, uh, you know, tipping a pitch or something of that nature. That is all gamesmanship to me. That's part of the game. That's not uh, that's not cheating. That is gamesmanship. I would, I would agree that that is part of the game. Um, if you can get away with it kind of thing, I don't think it like takes away cheating to me. I look at cheating almost like if it involves your character, um, you know, you're trying to gain an advantage, uh, in officiating, we used to say they're, they, they are trying to gain an advantage, not specified by rule. And, and in moments like that, I think in football, there's a baseball, any sport, I think, there were certain situations, I can't think of one right now, that wasn't necessarily covered in the rule book that 
we had uh, kind of a jurisdiction. There was not rule 902 C, I think it was whatever, uh, where if a situation came up that wasn't necessarily covered by rule, we as officials could uh, use our best judgment to make sure that um, that uh, the game was being an equal playing field. Right. So uh, but as far as gamesmanship goes, you see a ton of it in baseball. Uh, you know, not so much, maybe in like basketball, like say there's a free throw, uh, and, uh, maybe, you know, you accidentally uh, drip some sweat on, uh, on, on the ground in the key and you kind of are, are, are quote unquote, uh, you know, mopping it up with your sneakers just to give the guy a little something, a little, little longer time to process. Oh man, these are game tying free throws. I don't know if I can, you know, uh, that's, that's gamesmanship. That's, that's not really cheating. That's just, uh, playing the game within the game. So I thought of that watching all this baseball this weekend and, and there's so much gamesmanship uh, that goes on. And uh, when you, when you cross into that um, negative character type of thing, you know, winning at all costs, basically I'm trying to think of something that would be uh, that would be cheating. Like if you, if, that was the biggest thing when we were umpiring, like, come on, you got to call it both ways. It's like, Whoa, Whoa. Are you, are you, are you inferring? Are you implying that I'm cheating? Cause that's a serious allegation. You may not like the way I'm calling your pitches. I don't, maybe I don't like how your pitcher's pitching. Maybe there's that too, but do not imply that I am cheating. Cause that's, that's a serious allegation and, and uh, you're, you're attacking my character. So that was always kind of the response with that stuff. Um, but as far as I'm trying to think other sports, let's get a conversation going. Maynard, Todd, Sam, uh, John Lee, you active listeners. I know you're out there. Uh, send me, a couple examples or maybe ask me, Hey, what do you think of this? Is this gamesmanship or is this cheating? Because any of us who's played sports and most of us have, uh, you know, given a little elbow under the uh, basket, eh, maybe it's cheating. Maybe it's competing, right? As I've talked about before cheating versus competing, but I thought gamesmanship was like the fancy, uh, almost British elegant way to, to say, ah, you're pushing the limits, right? You're, you're playing the game within the game. So uh, how are you? Uh, gamesmanship on your taxes? Is that a thing? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we all know we all pay way too much in taxes. Anyway, uh, I found that term interesting. So let me know what you guys think. I want to hear from you. You know the email address, gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. I think I also have gethomesafepod at gmail.com. We'll have to double check the website. You can also text me, guys. I love hearing from you. So I've thrown out a few topics today that I think are uh, are not bad. Uh, let's get into the baseball thing in a second. One final thing. Okay, everyone talks about emotions of baseball and how, oh, it's so great to see in college. You know, oh, we need players to be uh, more theatrical. When they hit a home run, they should be able to stand there for four seconds and flip their bat. We need more excitement in baseball. It's so great when a guy slides into second that he thumps his chest and does some sort of orchestrated dance. It's so great that baseball players, they got to run out of the dugout. They can't stay in the dugout to give high fives. They got to run out of the dugout to give high fives so everyone can see them. Look how much we care. Look how passionate we are. A, a defensive player, you know, falls on a fumble in football. They got to go do selfies and, and some or orchestrated choreographed dance because they're so great. They did their job. Man, this emotional stuff is fantastic. Guy slam dunks a basketball. He needs to do the Macarena and then the, 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 what's another day? I don't even know dances. The Macarena. I threw that out there. Uh, what's the one? The Harlem Shake. He's got it. You got to do all this celebration. We need more of that. That will give us more, more viewership. It's the modern era. We need the players to not be robots, to be passionate. However, 
when a baseball umpire maybe shows a little emotion. Oh, how could, what, how could he make this game about him? How could he be a human being? Just get back behind the plate and call the game. How dare you hear the things people are yelling at you? Why is he show? He needs to be, he needs to show, how could he show emotion there? We want everyone else in the stadium to do it, but that umpire, oh. And I've talked before about officials stepping on a field and being like the I'm in charge guy. But that stuff hardly ever happens in like the first inning. It's usually like in the middle of the game where an umpire's been just quiet doing his job, usually. And there's probably been a bunch of things said. And then he'll respond to what's being said. Hey, I'm tired of listening to you. The dumb broadcasters will be like, what is he doing? How can he hear anything? Meanwhile, things have probably been said for like three innings and he's finally addressing it. And umpires are bad guys. And it's hilarious. The media and fans, they have this like these rules for officials that I don't know who made them up. He needs to ignore that. Who said that? Where'd you hear that? Which is pun intended. That's funny. Uh, What do you mean he's supposed to he's he's supposed to ignore well you just need to umpire the game. That's what I'm doing. Because you're yelling at me. So I'm addressing you. And maybe you don't like the way I'm addressing you, but I don't like you're addressing me. Some big league uh, baseball the past uh, few weeks, umpires, you know, barking in the dugout. It's like, what's he what's he yelling over here for? How can he hear anything from there? Like these guys have never been on a baseball field and they don't understand that like sound exists. Like you can hear someone from the stands. Uh, you can hear a guy, especially when he yells at your name. Come on, Matt. That's, mm, that's BS. That's, that's effing. It's literally directed at the umpire and he's supposed to ignore it. No, that's not how that works. So all this emotion that we want from players. And I understand. I already hear some people rolling their eyes. Can I hear, can you hear people roll their eyes? I can. I have that talent. I can hear you rolling your eyes. I can hear you shaking your head. See you shaking your head. Um, I understand no one come to watch the umpires. No one come to watch comes to watch the officials. They they don't need to be no one came to watch them. I'll tell you this from experience. No official is doing anything because he's excited people are like watching him. No guy likes to to enforce the rules or the law or whatever and it's like, "Man, I'm really glad everyone's seeing me do this. This is cool." That's not why you officiate. That's not why you umpire. And maybe just maybe guys get a little emotional uh, because they hit a boiling point. It's not the first time that day that they've been had something said to them. So it's oh, just, I'm just, I sit here and I just want to throw this baseball at things. I'd never hit anything for those of you who knew who uh, I can't hit or throw. You guys know that, but I just like, you want people they want robots they really do and that's what they're going to with baseball they want this automatic you know strike zone that doesn't work um and might, might as well call it the mask strike zone um but you just you can't have it both ways you can't have guys well they're not being there he's not being professional really <laughs> really you love non-unprofessional stuff and I'm sorry, sometimes I've never been a police officer, but sometimes when I'm officiating a game, I do know this. Sometimes uh, it calls for you to be a little more emotional, to be a little more fired up. It took me a while to get there and, and figure that out. 
because I was uh, gun shy, we'll say. And um, yeah, it's just it, official. I'm talking about mostly college and, and, and professional sports because uh, that's what I see. That's what kind of uh, my social circle is. And I'm always going to defend these. I shouldn't say always. You never, you never say uh, always and, and you always say never or something like that. Anyway. All right. Enough of that. Uh, I just, I found that. That got me a little fired up, as you could see. We want all this emotion up your chest, but officials, you need to be. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, you said words? I won't do anything. Yes. Okay. And I know no one wants to see, is there to see the officials, but still human beings are human beings. We all have human traits and things. So uh, be careful what you wish for. All right. Bottom of the ninth, bottom of the ninth. I have another baseball term and a baseball rule uh, for you guys. Kind of quicker ones today, um, but that's good. Cause I did kind of ramble on and I got more baseball to watch. By the way, UCLA has been eliminated Michigan and Louisville. They're in a, uh, they're in a real tight one here. Michigan was down seven to two or seven, three. They now lead nine, seven. Wow. Eighth inning. I got to get to this TV guys. And, uh, and uh, maybe maybe some Little Caesars pizza. I'm just kidding. Anyway, okay, two terms today that I wanted to get to. Uh, Wolf, and uh, I, I got some good feedback on uh, some friends uh, listening to the pod. They're like, I really like that segment to close out the show. So baseball slang, we learn a little something about baseball terminology and then try to dive a little bit into uh, a rule here uh, with the great game of baseball. So uh, last week I, I did some kind of college baseball things um, as far as um, – let me see here as far as uh, the college baseball tournament specifically and watching so much baseball uh, to this weekend, it got me thinking about another uh, term, another rule, I should say um, that I think you guys would find interesting. First of all, the slang term, it's an easy one. It, it makes sense uh, as soon as you hear it, but it's kind of associated with what I just talked about. And that was rabbit ears when uh, you know, teams, they want to yell at you and then, they'll always tell them, Oh, that umpire has rabbit ears, you know, basically mean he has giant ears and then you can hear everything. Ha 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 ha. Really funny. Meanwhile, if I said something about you, I guarantee you, you would respond. Never in the history of the world has somebody said something to somebody that they didn't want them to hear. Does that make sense? If you're at the end of the dugout and you say something, you shout something out to the umpire, you literally want it heard by that person. That's why you're saying it. I hate to like, have to slow things down for, for the, the people like this, but that's literate. And then he reacts and it's like, Oh, there's no carrots over here. Rabbit, rabbit ears, rabbit ears. First of all, you say that to me, you should, you should get ejected uh, immediately because that's uh, making a mockery of the whole thing. But uh, rabbit ears gets thrown around all the time and it's an attack on umpires and I will not stand for it. Uh, to me, you're a coward. You're a coward. If you say you shout, you shout something uh, from far away that you wanted me to hear, I turn and now, oh, rabbit ears, you're not supposed to hear things. Get out of our dugout. That's the best one. Meanwhile, you're the coward that said something and then hid behind people. Or when you are having a conversation and you turn to walk away and you cheap shot me while my back is turned. I'm talking as an umpire here because I used to umpire. Um, it's uh, you, you guys understand what I mean. I haven't umpired in a while, but I'm saying it in first person for that reason. So you're a coward. Are you going to insult me? I'll probably still eject you. Uh, and, and that's why when I do walk away and you say something that's ejectable, uh, you're getting ejected. But say it to my face. Don't don't say it over there. Don't be a coward. Man up. Show some courage. Man up. Don't don't. It's just so weak to, to, to shout an insult or whatever to an umpire. And then he responds and he, cause you baited him and he calls you, you call him rabbit ears. And it's just like, 
It's so weak. It, it, it's, it's so weak. Be better than that. So rabbit ears, that's your baseball slang term for the day. Now, uh, have you guys ever wondered why with two strikes, you cannot uh, bunt, you cannot have a, a, a foul bunt attempt. If you bunt with two strikes and your bunt attempt goes foul, uh, why you are out? Why are you declared out? Why does that rule exist? Is it, have you guys ever thought about that? Bunting with two strikes. You can still bunt with two strikes. If you bunt it fair, uh, all the power to you. But if you bunt a, 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 a two-strike pitch and it goes foul, you are automatically uh, declared out. Uh, so have you ever wondered uh, why that is a uh, why that is a rule? Well, I'll tell you. Back in the day, this all stems right from back in the day, right? Uh, the old school baseball is too tired to uh, you know pitchers would throw forever, right? And to either either as a stall tactic or as a, a way to get the pitcher to throw a lot more pitches. If I I may have butchered this, so you can fact check me if you want. Um, but I know that this is part of the reason at least, at least why this rule exists, uh, in a way for, uh, to tired out pitchers or to stall and give your pitcher more time, uh, really good hitters who could handle the bat. Well, they would just pitch would be thrown and they would just bunt it foul pitches come in. You, you know, you can handle a bat and you could just, you could be up there forever, right? Not bunt a bad pitch. If it makes sure it's a strike, but if, if a pitch is in the strike zone, you should be able to get a bunt down and some guys are really good. We just bunt it foul, uh, left and right all the time. And so eventually the rule went in that, Hey, if you bunt with two strikes and the ball goes foul, uh, you are declared out. So that is why that rule exists. It goes uh, again, way back to the beginning of baseball, I think. Um, but, uh, I, I'm sure I'll, 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 double check it myself, but that's the story that I heard. So I thought I'd share that with you guys. Uh, now what is a bunt? Well, he didn't bunt. That was a bunt. I mean, if you squared a bunt and you pull the bat back and the ball hits the bat is that a bunt well you squared the bunt but is that a bunt uh no that would not be a bunt and maybe it's like a half swing and you left the bat there uh, is that a bunt it's all an interpretation uh, of the judgment of the umpire uh and in baseball uh let me see here the bunt i i know this i memorized this when i was umpiring because we had to but it was a a, a pitch not a a, a a a batted ball not swung at intentionally met tapped lightly within the infield believe tapped lightly or slowly within the not slowly tapped lightly within the infield a, a a batted ball intentionally met so intentionally meeting the baseball right so you squared a bunt the pitch comes high up and in and you pull back to get out of the way it hits your bat and a, it goes fair or goes foul whatever is that a bunt it's not a bunt because you did not intentionally meet the baseball it's still a batted ball ball hits just the bat that's a batted ball whether it goes fair or foul but it is not a bunted ball a batted ball intentionally met so intentionally meeting it with with the uh, with the with the stick there um not swung at so you also say is it was it intentionally met and not swung at so it's got to fit all three of these criterias right and then uh the third is to tapped tap lightly uh tap lightly without swinging tap lightly within the infield, I believe is the, is the third terminology. So that is the definition of a bunt, kind of a two for one here. Why is the two, the two strike bunt rule? Why does it exist? Uh, and what is a bunt, a pitch, a batted ball, not swung at intentionally met or intentionally met, not swung at tap 
lightly within the infield. Sometimes, you know, you've seen the balls that are bunted that go a long way, or maybe are popped kind of up and uh, up and over someone's head. It's still considered a bunt, even though uh, they, they go a little airborne there. I'm not going to get into it now, but when we do get to infield fly, that is one restriction on an infield fly. It cannot be, you cannot have an infield fly on a bunted ball. So if a guy squares to bunt and he bunts it up to the pitcher with the bases loaded, or it's an infield fly situation, it is not an infield fly situation on a bunted ball, which uh, is kind of tough, but we will eventually get to all that. So the two strike rule in baseball, why it is uh, you cannot bunt with two strikes and what exactly is the definition of a bunt. That is our baseball rule. As far as our baseball slang, uh, rabbit ears. I, I hate, hate when people say that. And, uh, you know, especially when like, Hey, sorry, rabbit tricks are tricks are for kids. Well, you guys are acting like kids. Uh, if you're going to call me that. So it's unprofessional. Uh, I don't like it. And I hate when announcers say it. And, uh, that's all I have to say about that guys. I am out of ideas, out of thoughts, out of time, uh, more baseball for me to watch. Enjoy the, uh, super regionals this upcoming weekend. So excited for that. Some of you may be watching the NBA finals. I'm really not the, the NHL uh, Stanley Cup playoffs are fantastic. Uh, still going strong. I told you, uh, Den or Denver, Colorado was looking like they were going to dominate the West and get to the finals. And the New York Rangers putting up quite a fight with Tampa Bay. So be sure to tune into those. But college baseball, there will be eight super regionals, four starting Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and four more starting Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Best two out of three. You'll find all the games on the ESPN family of networks. Be sure to tune in, guys. I'm telling you, it's one of the most underrated. Uh, sporting events, I, I believe, truly um, just great, great uh, baseball. Every pitch is intense. Every pitch matters. And uh, I'm always rooting for that third team out there, those guys uh, running around with the rabbit ears umpiring, umpiring the games. Anyway, just kidding. All all, uh, all good things must come to, come to an end here. Happy belated D-Day. Again, as I open the show today um, with all seriousness, and we bounce around to some other topics, but, um, you know, never forget D-Day. Honor those who uh, showed so much courage by us, by, by you yourself. My, ch- my challenge to me and to everyone out there is show just 1% of the courage that those guys had. I think they have uh, absolutely earned that. And we owe that to them all guys. Thanks so much. Check out the charge to keep podcast. Episode one is already out and uh, I will be back on Friday with a great guest here on the get home safe podcast, but guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Thank you.